Good morning, Yakima Vineyard Church family. This is Dusty. It's good to see all of you this morning. Uh, we're going to be continuing on in the book of John. Um, we're going to be talking about Jesus and him telling us how he is divine and where the branches and how we're all connected to God's family through him. Um, I'm going to talk a little bit about this later, but, uh, you know, the vineyard, this is in part where we get uh, the name of our, our movement from is because of us wanting to be connected to Christ and, and being, you know, just recognizing that central to who we are is being connected to Jesus and just how important that is. Um, so I'm going to open up in a word of prayer and we'll go ahead and begin. Lord Jesus, I just, God, I thank you that you love us and that you care about us. God, that you made us part of your family. Jesus, it's just such an incredible thought and such an incredible thing that we get to be part of the family of God. That, that Jesus, you call us friend. Lord, how, I just, I don't even have the proper language to really encapsulate all that that is and all that that means, God. Other than, Lord, I'm, I'm grateful and I'm thankful. And I'm thankful that I get to have my brothers and sisters who are listening this morning, God, that we're all part of the family of Christ and we're all part of the family of God together. And just how, how special that is, Lord, that you bring such diverse, different people and you put us all together into one big family. Lord, your family, the family of God, is an incredible picture of what heaven will be like and what our world could be. That no matter our color, no matter our socioeconomic standing, no matter our political leanings, no matter what trauma or goodness we've experienced in our lives, that we're all part of your family, God. And you love each one of us and you died for us. And we just thank you for that, Jesus. We're, we're grateful to who you are and for bringing us together, Lord. Amen. All right, let's hop into John 15, 1 through 17. Jesus is the way. Not just a way, he is the way for us to follow. It's not just enough for us to worship God, but we're called to emulate the lifestyle of Jesus, to be the people of the way. Jesus is the truth. He's literally all truth. He's the primary revelation of God's character to our world. And Jesus is the life. Through Jesus, he gives us life, both now and forevermore. John 15, 1 through 4 says this, I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. Jesus is once again here, and he's asserting his divinity and how he's connected to the Father. He's also alluding to the fact that there might be other vines, right? We, there's other ways, there's other teachings, there's other, you know, spiritual leaders and paths, but Jesus is the true way. Jesus is the life. Other vines might spring up, but he's the only true vine. And God... Like any good gardener, 
cares for his church, and he does it with wisdom and patience and love. Jesus also talks here about pruning. I believe that there is a pruning going on right now in his church, in the, the world, the church in the world as a whole. I believe God, through this um, pandemic, through um, the um, racial reconciliation that's bubbling up in our U.S. society, God is pruning away things that we've become comfortable with. I believe that this, and I've said this, you know, probably a couple times, that we're in a prophetic moment. We're in a prophetic time and place where God is pruning away a lot of the things that we just, like the church has grown comfortable. We've, we've grown complacent, you know. Um, a lot of times we just show up on a Sunday morning and do our church thing, maybe say a prayer, sing a song together, and, you know, check the box. Okay, I did my spiritual thing for the week. And all that stuff's been taken away. And there's a, there's a deep level of discomfort of, of in our society right now and, and today. Um, everything that we've taken for granted and become comfortable with has, has been pulled back, has been, in the words of Scripture, pruned away. And we're left with, who are we? Who are we in relation to God as the church? And who is God calling us to be? And that's both an individual question and a collective question for our body. And I believe God's calling us to something new. And he's, he's in the process of, of changing, you know, our whole society, really. Um, and who we are as the church. Um, and how we respond to this time and how we come out of this moment of pruning and this time of pruning, uh, it's going to chart decades from now of where our church is, um, and I mean that as in the church as a whole worldwide, and also our church here as the Yakima Vineyard. This time and this season is going to be charting a course. Um, I grew up with my grandparents being orchardists, and so... Um, I understand a little bit about pruning. Um, it, you know, um, it's kind of a thankless job. Um, <laughs> pruning is, um, you have to climb up in these trees and you can, you look at the branches and you see which ones should remain and which ones should be taken out. The purpose of pruning, at least in an orchard, which is what I'm familiar with, uh, my grandparents, uh, grew apples. They grew uh, golden delicious apples specifically. And so those are the ones that I know best. Um, and kind of how to get up in the trees and, and to look at a branch and see which parts need to be taken away. The purpose of pruning is this, that the tree will put its energy out through, you know, it draws it up through the capillaries and the root system. It gets the nutrients from the soil and the minerals and it draws the water in there and it sends it out to the branches and eventually to the fruit. The purpose of the fruit being so that it can propagate, so that it can make more trees, that's, that's its purpose. Um, and so to produce good, large, healthy fruit, you have to prune. Because otherwise the tree is just sending out all of that energy, all of those resources to every single apple that's on there and every single branch that exists. 
But if you pull off some of those branches and you reduce the amount of uh, resources that are going out to a smaller group, to a smaller area, then the fruit that it produces is it looks better. It's usually larger and healthier. It has better flavor and taste. And that's the purpose of pruning is so that you can produce more and better fruit in the long run. But for the tree, the tree suffers a little bit while you prune. We used to have to put this like orange. We'd cut off the, the parts that we were removing or the branches that we were removing. And we'd put like this orange paste on it um, to help the tree heal. Because if you just left it as a big open wound, it would cause damage. You can get infection and disease in there. Um, and so there, it's painful to the tree. It, it, it hurts when pruning is happening. But in the long run, as you're looking at the life of the tree and you're looking at the fruit that it produces, in the long run, pruning is beneficial to the tree. And it's beneficial to the one who harvests, which in this case, the analogy Jesus is making is God. He wants us to have better fruit. He wants for us to, us to have healthy fruit and more beautiful fruit and fruit that is, is pleasing to him. So that requires some pruning sometimes. Sometimes in the greater church and sometimes in us individually. And I believe that's the season we're in. I believe that's the time we're in. So I, I would encourage you to press into the Lord, to um, find your spiritual practices of, of spirit, Christian meditation and simplicity, silence, solitude, getting near word, prayer, worship. Like find those areas where you can press into God as we're being pruned and see if you don't come out of this healthier because I believe we will. I believe we will. I believe that this is a, a very special time we're in right now. And if we can look at it with spiritual eyes, it'll help our anxiety and our depression and, and the, the suffering we're going through. And as I just said, you know, pruning is painful. Pruning can be really difficult. But if we can look to the Lord and press into him, we can find peace in him. I'll leave that analogy where it is now, but I just, I really felt the Lord speaking to me as I was reading that. Uh, so continuing to read, remain in me as I remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine and you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you're like a branch that's thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me, and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. I am the vine, and you are the branches. As I alluded to at the very beginning, if you ever wondered where Vineyard got its name, this is it. Here it is. Our center is Jesus. In the Vineyard, in the Vineyard movement as a whole throughout the world, we have what's called a center set theology. A center set theology is this, that Jesus is always at the center of everything we do and everything we set our hand to. And so there can be very many different expressions of what that following of Jesus looks like as long as Jesus remains the center. You can have churches that are 
you know, like our church, where where we have a large outreach to the homelessness and uh, fighting homelessness and and food insecurity and trying to support our community. Um, our friends in Boise, Idaho, where they're very much um, concerned about the environment and ecology and um, conservation, and and they have huge ministries that. Um, look towards like restoring God's creation. Um, the Cincinnati Vineyard, where they're this huge multinational um, church where people from, because Cincinnati's a, a hub for the United States internationally. And so they have people from all over the world that are part of their body. And they have um, a large outreach to all the different communities of color and uh, even different communities of faith where they bring them together and they encourage um, exploration of who Jesus is in their context, in their, in their racial understanding and in their context and, and where they came from, whether it be from Haiti or South Korea or Switzerland or wherever it may be. They, that's one thing that they're really involved in is the, at the Cincinnati Vineyard is they're, they're a hub for kind of like international understanding of each other. And so there's all these different vineyards with all these different expressions. And as long as Jesus remains the center, we can have all these different orbits, right? Like the Earth has a different orbit than Mars. And Mars has a different orbit than Jupiter. And Jupiter has a different orbit than Mercury. And you get the idea. But at the center of it all is the sun, or the S-O-N in our case. And so you can have all these different orbits, all these different expressions of, of the church and of vineyards, as long as Jesus remains that center orbit, as long as he remains our primary source of light and life, just like the sun is. And that's a beautiful thing. I love that there's so many different expressions of how we respond to the call of Jesus. But that's what the center set theology is about. It's about Jesus being at the center of everything we do. And that's who we are as a vineyard. That's a primary belief system that we have in the vineyard is keeping Jesus Christ always at our center of everything we do. And if we ever lose sight of that, if we ever lose track of Jesus being at the center of everything we do, then we've lost our way. Then we're no longer the people of the way. So we always have to remember to keep Jesus at the center of all we do. Continuing on, verses 8 8 through 10. This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I love you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands, and remain in his love. I love this part. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love. What was Jesus' commands? Love the Lord and love others. Right? He said those are the greatest commandments. So this is how we bear good fruit. If we choose, rather than to live only for ourselves and for our wants, to instead serve God and serve others. And as a church, as our church, as the Yakima Vineyard, I believe that this is, one of, this is our primary core principle. Is how do we serve God well and how do we serve others well? And I believe that's our calling. I believe that's what we're called to. Jesus is also here revealing this deep truth that God, this is just incredible to me, 
God's love to us is the same level that he loved Jesus. And this is why he responds to our true hearts. Again, the scripture said this, if you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my father's commands and remain in his love. Jesus is creating a a par here, an equity here, that God loves us just as much as he loves himself, that God loves us just as much as he loves Jesus. That's so amazing to me. It's, It's a little bit insane to me, to be honest, thinking about that, the depth to which God loves us. 11 through 14 says this, I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and so that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no man than this, than to lay down his life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. Jesus here again is calling us to lay down our lives for one another, to serve one another. What would it look like if all of the followers of Jesus were able to truly set aside their own wants and needs and lay down their lives for everyone else? How might that change our world? What might that world look like if every single person who who said that they are a follower of Jesus, who said that they're a follower of the way, if they were able to lay down their lives for everyone around them and not put their wants and their needs and their desires first, but instead to put others' needs first. How might that change our world? Jesus finishes with this. I no longer call you servants, because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. Jesus Jesus no longer calls us servants, but friends. Because he's revealed his father's business to us. Let that sink in for a moment. There's a worship song that we sing sometimes called, I am a friend of God. Um, Being sons and daughters of God, there is no greater honor. There is no greater privilege in our life. What more could we ask for? What a deep, incredible thing that we're no longer just servants, but Jesus calls us friends. It's just an incredible thing. It's something that I'd like you to kind of ruminate on and think about this week. I want you to hold on to this thought this week that Jesus calls you friend. And what does that mean? That you're no longer a servant because he's revealed the kingdom of God to you. He's revealed God's business to you. He's shown you what you're to be about. So now you're his friend. Jesus says, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit. Fruit that will last. And so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. This is my command. Love each other. 
What does Jesus say if we follow his commands? We're friends. What is his command, he says? Love each other. That's your command. Love each other. And the best way you know how, love each other. That's the command of God. To be a friend of God, you have to love. We have to love each other to be a friend of God. There's no other way. We have to follow the commands of Jesus. And over and over he commands us to love. There's lots of other things that we like to tag onto this. There's lots of other ancillary things that we like to throw into this basket. But really Jesus, what he honed in on, what he repeated over and over and over again was to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and to love your neighbor as yourself. Over and over and over, Jesus calls us to love. He didn't always call us to be always right. He didn't say we always have to have perfect, perfect theology. He didn't say we always have to have perfect words. He didn't say we never make mistakes. He said we need to love. And if that's our heart, it's that scripture tells us all throughout scripture that God looks at man's heart. If your heart is to love other people, is to care for other people, then you will be honored before God. You're going to get it wrong sometimes. We're going to make mistakes as followers of Jesus. We're going to mess up time after time after time in our life. But if our inclination and our motive is to love, all of that is okay. None of that is a problem. Even if your theology changes, even if how your understanding of God shifts like mine has as I've gotten older, I... You know, I've said before, uh, 20-year-old Dusty believed some different things than almost 50-year-old Dusty does. My, my understanding of God has, has opened up and has deepened. And, and my understanding of who Jesus is and how God operates has, has changed and, and has shifted to the good. I feel like I know God better now as almost 50-year-old Dusty than I ever did as 20-year-old Dusty. And there was nothing wrong with 20-year-old Dusty. 20-year-old Dusty was actually serving God in the best way he knew how, and it was with passion, and it was with fervor. And I, I served God in some deep and amazing ways. And I can tell you story after story of where God showed up in miraculous and amazing ways to 20-year-old Dusty. But 50-year-old Dusty... I have a deeper, richer, um, more, I guess, uh, you know, varied understanding of who God is. The walking with God through your life, he should be changing you. He should be continually, every day, revealing more and more of himself to you. And to me, where, where I'm at in my life at this time and in this moment, um, I know God is calling me to serve. And I know that he's calling our church to serve. And I know he's calling us to love. And Jesus says here, he ends this talk that he's giving his disciples. He ends it with this. This is my command. Love each other. And, and as one of your pastors, as, as one of your church leaders, this is my command to you. Love each other. 
as we move forward through the pandemic and the lockdown and not being able to meet in person. And, you know, I, the school I work at, I, we just found out this last week that we're not going to get back to in-person learning, which is breaking my heart. Um, but I understand it. It's, you can understand something and accept something and have it still really suck. And it sucks. Um, and my son's a senior. And, um, you know, the things he's going to be missing out on. Um, but I know God is good. And I know God loves us. And I know God is on the throne. And I know that I'm called to love. And as we walk this out, you guys, together, and we walk through however long this takes, um, we have to love one another. And when we're finally able to come together again, some of us might not be comfortable for that, with that. And we have to love each other. And some people may want to go full bore, you know, Katie bar the door, do everything again. And we have to love one another. We have to love each other through our differences. We have to love each other through our, our different ways that we approach God, as I was talking about earlier. We have to love each other um, through our understandings because we... We have to see each other's heart. That's what it comes down to, because that's what God does. We have to look at each other's hearts and extend love to one another. I'm going to finish it one more time. This is my command. Love each other. Carry that with you through this week. God bless all of you. Take care.